Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. As you stay standing, I'm going to read one verse to you. We're going to dive into our, we're going to dive into our sermon, but stay standing. I'm going to read one scripture to you, and then we're going to dive in. How many of you have been enjoying this series, Dwell? Y'all been enjoying this series, Dwell? I've, I've had a great time preaching it, and we're taking it up the next level. So go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and we're going to read verse 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and I am strangely only going to read one verse to you today last few weeks, I've been reading like passages. and You've been getting all kinds of Bible reading in. But today we're just going to read one verse. Very simple. Many of you know it. And it simply says this. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? Say it one more time. This is so, so small. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? Do me a favor. T- touch, touch your heart. Put your hand over your chest and tell yourself, I am God's temple. God's temple and that God's spirit dwells within you. Real quickly, let's pray. Father, bless the hearing of your word. Pray that our hearts and minds be open to receive. I pray, Father, that what's spoken corporately would land individually and that it would be a seed that produces a harvest. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Clap your hands one last time and you may be seated. I'm going to try my best to preach this quickly so you can have some Kona ice. And let your kids run around in that little splash zone that we got for them. It just feels appropriate. Let's give it up for our L Kids team who are working hard to create the environment today. Now let me ask you a question. How many of you ever stayed at a hotel where it looked better online than it did when you got there? How many you know what I'm talking about? You're like, it said four stars. It's like, what in the world? You get there, and, and, and there's no pool. You know what I'm saying? Like, there was a pool online. You go there, like, is that a pool? What is that? It's a bathtub, you know what I'm saying? It's like, have you ever been there? And, and it's funny because when I read the book of Corinthians, I kind of have that same expectation because the book of Corinthians, the letter of Corinthians was written by the Apostle Paul. Now, if you don't know who the Apostle Paul was, the Apostle Paul wrote almost half of the New Testament. God supernaturally used him to advance the church. He wrote so many letters that we, the church, turn to now in order to get uh, how we should be doing things. What, what's the Bible say about certain things with regard to church structure, leadership, finances, morality, all of that. He, he touched it all. Paul was incredible. So there is this expectation to me that when Paul started the church and he starts this church in Corinth, there is this expectation that Paul built an amazing church in Corinth. Because it's Paul. He, he, he was incredible. He was a gifted leader. The hand of God was on him. And so I expect to open up my Bible and read that the church of Corinth is booming. That it is amazing. It's everyone's favorite mega church. But that's not what I find. When I open the book of Corinthians, I get a little hope because it's a mess. And you're wondering, like, why do you get hope? Because I'm, I'm like, man, if Paul can't get it right, I get a little bit of grace. I get a little bit of grace as a pastor. But, but Paul, you know, he, he, he's, he's being asked, Paul, what do we do? The church in Corinth is a mess. And when we read about it, we read that the church was divided over who their favorite preacher was. The Bible goes on to say that there was a young man sleeping with his father's new wife. 
Yes, in the Bible. I know. You guys are like, what? Yes, it's, it's there. It's there. People didn't know how to handle the gifts of the Spirit in the church. It was a hot mess. It was a mess. And, and, and so I read it, and I'm like, I eat popcorn. I'm like, this church is a mess. There's all kinds of stuff going on here. And uh, the way that we get this letter, the letter to the church in Corinth, is that um, Paul was on a missionary journey, and he didn't, like, send a postcard because he missed them. The Bible says that it got so bad at Corinth that someone wrote a letter, and this was all courier, right? So, so someone, they, they wrote a letter to get to Paul, and someone has to travel to where Paul is. He's in another country. They got to take this letter to Paul. Paul opens it up, and he's like, what in the world is happening at Corinth? And so First and Second Corinthians is actually Paul's response to that letter. So you might not have known that, but it's a response letter. And so what he does is they start asking him questions. They're like, yo, this is happening, and this guy's kind of going crazy, and this is happening. And so Paul systematically, he writes a rebuttal to every single issue. That's that right there, y'all. That right there. Let that be your frame of how you read First and Second Corinthians. It was a mess. And Paul's trying to fix things systematically through a letter. And that's where we get to this point where he has to remind them in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, that the, the big statement that he tells them is, don't you know that you are God's temple? Don't you know that you are God's temple? Somebody say God's temple. That, that word, God's temple, is, 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 is an important word. You, you got to get that because... Um, I've been talking a lot about the different temples and tabernacles. Y'all been tracking with me the last few weeks in this series? We talked about Moses' tabernacle, David's tent. We talked about Solomon's temple. So right away, I want to know, what does this mean, God's temple? What, what exactly is Paul talking about here? Because when you look at the tabernacle, when you look at the temple, there, there are four, it's divided into four places and spaces. There is what's called the outer court. Then there's called the inner court. Then there's called the holy place then there's the most holy place. Y'all got that? Outer court, inner court, holy place, most holy place. And so when Paul says you are God's temple, it comes from the Greek word naos. Naos. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but that's what I'm going to call it, all right? And what that means is it means the holy place and the most holy place. So Paul is talking about two places in the temple. That's it. He's not talking about the outer court, and he's not talking about the inner court. When he says you are God's temple, he's specifically talking about the holy place and the most holy place. Now, the holy place and the most holy place, there were three pieces of furniture in these rooms, okay? Three pieces of furniture. And I think they give us a picture of what Paul is trying to tell us. The first thing that we find in the holy place is the candlestick. Somebody say the candlestick. Now, the candlestick represents the Holy Spirit. Everything in the temple and everything in the tabernacle was a pattern of what was to come in the church. And so when you read the candlestick, you need to understand that the candlestick, it is symbol. It represents the Holy Spirit, that God's design. When now that we have the Bible, Old and New Testaments, we can step back and see all of God's plan across the pages of these 66 books, right? So we see it all, and we see that the candlestick represents the Holy Spirit. And so when Paul tells us, don't you know that you are the temple of God, it speaks to some furnishings within the temple, the first one being the candlestick. And what Paul is saying is, if you have the Holy Spirit, act like it. 
if the Holy Spirit is in you, it should be obvious that the Holy Spirit is in you. Why? Because this is what the Holy Spirit does. Number one, the Holy Spirit produces fruit of the Spirit. There, there is fruit of the Spirit that the Holy Spirit produces. We read about this in Galatians when Paul tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love, it is joy, it is peace, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, uh, and self-control. And, and Paul is saying, listen, if I don't see love and self-control and peace and gentleness, I question, do you have the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit should produce fruit. And if there is no fruit, could it be that you don't have the root, which is the Holy Spirit? And, and Paul is making that point. You know, in November, my wife and I and my whole family, we moved up here to North County. And when we moved up here, we really weren't sure where to live. You know, we don't know, know North County like some of you all know North County. I might look at a street that sounds good, and you're like, no, don't go there at night. Don't go, don't go there. You know what I'm saying? So, so we said, Let, let's just rent a house for a couple of years. Let's, let's figure this whole thing out. Let's get the lay of the land. Well, we moved into this house, and the house has fruit trees everywhere. The, the lady planted a bunch of fruit trees. Now, our gardener, we went to go ask our gardener. How many of you know, if you want to know what's really going on, you go ask the gardener what's going on. We asked the gardener, we said, we see all these fruit trees, but there's no fruit on them. He goes, yeah, the lady, before y'all came, she came and she took all her fruit. So we're like, oh, man, okay, that, that's smart. It's her trees, okay. But we asked him, we're like, what kind of fruit, you know, what kind of trees are we dealing with here? He was like, it's a lot. Well, what is it? He's like, just wait till next year, you'll see. And it is a lot. Like, like we, we've had avocados, mandarins, apples, pears, blackberries. I began to write down a list because I was like, I don't want to forget any of the fruit, but there's so much fruit. And, 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 and we've even got some fruit on the trees. They're, right now they're small. They, they haven't matured yet. I don't even know what it is yet. We're like trying to guess. We're like, what do you think that is? I think there was like guava back there. So this lady planted all kinds of fruit. Yeah, we're going to do just fine. If the grocery stores run out of food, we're just going to live off the land. We're just going to live off our trees. You know, we're just going to do that. But it was just really cool to see this. But I, but, but I love the fact that the guy's like, you're just going to have to wait until it produces fruit. Because here's what we know about fruit. Fruit points us to identity. Fruit points us to the identity of the tree. And so if you say that you have the Holy Spirit, if you're saying your identity, you are a person with the Holy Spirit, there ought to be some fruit to back that up. You can't say that you are a child of God, but the fruit says otherwise. You, you, you can't say, I'm a follower of Jesus, but the fruit says otherwise. It's kind of like saying, I love my wife, but your fruit says otherwise. Oh, that's right up in your business, huh? So, so, so the, the fruit lets you know. The, the, the fruit speaks to the identity. And our gardener said, you're just going to have to wait, and you're going to find out what you got. And, and so the fruit is the, the, the fruit of the Spirit is the evidence of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and I don't even have time to get into the fruit where we don't even know what we're dealing with because it hasn't matured yet, you can have fruit that hasn't matured yet. You know what I'm saying? And so anyway, uh, uh, when, when Paul is talking and he says to them, know ye not that you're the temple of God, the, the first thing that we see in the temple is the candlestick which represents the Holy Spirit. And, and so the application is, is the Holy Spirit active in your life? Because I, uh, I see things just out of control in the church. Is the Holy Spirit active in your life? Now, the second thing that we find in the holy place is the table of bread. The table of bread. Now, the table of bread represents the word of God. The table of bread represents 
the word of God. And the word of God, I'm going to ask a question. I need a response. The word of God is supposed to be read how often? Thank you. Daily. The Bible says, give us this day our daily bread. If the only time you read your Bible is on Sundays, you are missing out on an incredible relationship that you can have with your word. You, I'm just going to say that. You're just missing out. It's like, like God has given you a gift to be enjoyed, but rather than open your gift, it's sitting on your shelf collecting dust. And, and the Bible is meant to be consumed daily. Not, not periodically. Not, not when I get around to it. It's like my, my pastor says, don't tell me you don't have time. Just tell me it's not important to you. And so when you say, I don't have time to read the Bible, no, 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 you got time. It's just not important to you. And I've got to get you to move to this place where you understand that it is important for me to be in my word. Here's the reason why. The primary way that God is going to speak to you is through his word. Right here. I know you want him to speak to you, like, audibly. Like, <laughs> I know many of you would be like, if God would just speak to me, like, audibly, then I would listen to him. You couldn't handle the audible voice of God. You can't handle the printed voice of God. You would freak out if he actually spoke to you. You'd, like, crash your car. You'd be driving. You'd go meet your maker. You know what I mean? It's like, if God spoke to you, you couldn't handle it because you can't even handle it when his word is printed for you. And it's so important that we get into our word because as we get into our word, as we are getting, consuming our daily bread, it is beginning to teach you the mind of Christ. I don't know if you know this, but you can put on the mind of Christ. And, 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 and Paul talks about you need, to be, you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We renew our mind through his word. The more we read about what he said and what he did, it begins to change the way we begin to think. And that's why some of you 10 years ago, someone cuts you off on the freeway, you let them know they're number one. <laughs> but, but, but now because you've been in your word, you are being renewed and you don't respond the same way because the mind of Christ has now come on you. And, and this is something that, that, that only happens... Through your word. And what's crazy to me is that the Bible has never, this is going to sting just a little bit, okay? I love you though, all right? The, the Bible has never been more accessible, and yet the church has never been more biblically illiterate. Think about that for a second. The Bible is on your phone, and yet we got, the church has never been more biblically illiterate, and it's on, it's never been more accessible. It's crazy to me that God has provided through technology ways for us to consume his word. And yet the church has gone so far from the word of God. We, we treat it as an option. It's something I get to when I get to. But we've lost our hunger, our desire, our reverence, and our thirst for his word. And we've got to get back to this place where every single morning when we wake up before... Before you open up your phone, before you go to the news, be, be, before you let your kids take over your day, and they will take over your day in Jesus' name. But you're like, like, you've got to allow this to be the first thing that you consume in the morning. You've got to allow this to be the first voice you hear. Don't let CNN be the first voice you hear. Let God's word be the first voice that you hear every single morning. Don't let Fox News be the first voice you hear. Don't let TikTok be the first voice you hear. Let God's word be the very first voice that you hear every single day. It'll change your life. Watch how it'll change your day. 
Watch how it'll just make your day just, just be completely different when you allow his voice to be the very first voice that you hear every single morning. I have a friend, Pastor Gary Isbell. You all know him. He comes and preaches for us every year. You know what he's doing with this church? Because he saw so much biblical illiteracy in his church. He's doing a whole sermon series right now. It's called Sunday School. Because he's taking all of the adults back to Sunday school. He's teaching them about who's Moses? Who's Jonah? Who's Job? It's Job, but they don't know. So it's Job. Who's Job? You know, so, so he, he's taking them through. And I think, it's, I think it's brilliant. One of the things we did with our Lighthouse College students, shout out to all my Lighthouse College students. Where you at? This summer, I was like, y'all going to read the Bible every single day this summer. And, and, and you might think, oh, they're college students. They got to figure it out. No, you don't understand. Like, like, like this is something you got to contend for. And so we had them doing scriptures and observations and applications and prayers every single day. And they're like texting as they're reading the Bible all together because I'm trying to get them to get this discipline. And I'm going to take a little commercial break. Little commercial break. We're thinking about opening up another cohort for the college in the fall. Is there anybody out there that would like to jump in on what God is doing through the Lighthouse Leadership College? It's, it's really good. So here's the deal. If you are interested, you have to let us know. Go to the Start Here Canopy because if we don't have enough students, we're just not going to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like we're in the process of vetting out someone and hiring another teacher to come help us teach. Well, he ain't going to come teach two people. So if we got enough interest, we're going to do it, okay? But, 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 but so if you, we, there's, a, there's a form. You can go to social media. You can go to Start Here Canopy. But it's incredible what God is doing in the college, and we want to keep expanding. And so um, we're thinking about doing a special intake in the fall if there's enough interest. So for those of you that are like, I'm interested, you tell me you're interested and fill out a form, okay? Don't just tell me after church because you're eating a snow cone and you're trying to make your pastor happy, okay? That ain't it. Like, like, we need to know. All right, commercial break, over. So, so the primary way God speaks to us through his, is through his word, and here's what happens. As you read the word of God, the word of God begins to read you. You, you can read something in God's word, and it'll, it'll hurt a little bit because you're like, oh, that, that shoe fits. Then you better wear it. You know what I mean? Like, you read something, and God is speaking to you through his word. And so, again, you, you go into the holy place, you got the candlestick, and you got the table of showbread. Now, now you get into the last place, which is the most holy place. And when you get to the most holy place, there's only one thing in the most holy place, and that's the Ark of the Covenant. We talked about this week, one of our series, go back to YouTube. I can't deep dive on it because I did that already, all right? So the Ark of the Covenant represents the presence of God here on earth. The, the, the Ark of the Covenant represents the presence of God here on this earth. And every time they would go to where the ark is, there was, there was the glory of God in that small space. In the most holy space, the glory of God filled that space. The glory comes from the Greek word uh, kavad, which means weight. So there was a, the weightiness of God's presence filled that room. And when the priest would walk in, he would meet with God. And he would be with the most genuine, authentic the presence of God that, that could be found here on this earth. And the high priest would only go in there once a year to offer up the atonement for all of the sins of, the, of all of Israel. And, and, and this was what he did every single year. And I'm coming to a close now. And, and, and when Paul, I want you to get this now. Let me, let, let, me, let me wrap this up for you all. When, when Paul says, you are the temple of God and God's spirit dwells in you, what he is saying is when the Holy Spirit is active in your life and when the word of God is consistent in your life it ushers in the presence of God to your life 
It ushers in the presence of God into your life. And when his presence comes, I, I, I love this, I love this. When, when God's presence comes, he, he comes with the intent to dwell. Like, 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 here's a throne in your heart, and he wants to have a seat. And he just wants to sit on the throne of your heart and dwell there. I get this image. I get this image. How many ever hosted a gathering at your house and you had one guy dwelling? <laughs> like the party was over an hour ago. He hasn't left. And you and your wife were giving the eyes like, get this joker out of here. I'm tired. I want to go to sleep. And he's just dwelling. You know what they do in the Hawaiian culture? They bring out a pineapple and they put it on the table. And that's their polite way of saying, you ain't got to go home, but you can't stay here. <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and so it's customary that, that when, when, when the hosts are done, they bring out that pineapple, set up on the table. That's their way of saying, you got to go. Now, now God, he, he, he wants to dwell in your life. He, wa he wants to pull up the chair and have a seat and just dwell. But, but here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. When you go back to the Old Testament, when, when they were going into the most holy place, they needed to be ready to meet with God. God was there. It was never a question of was God ready to meet with them. The question was, were they ready to meet with God? Let, let me teach you a little bit about let me teach you a little bit about uh, the temple and, and, and the, the order of worship. The Bible says the high priest would um, tie bells to the hem of his robe. So at the bottom of his robe, there was these bells that they would sew into the robe so that everywhere he moved, come on, it's like sleigh bells ringing, you know what I'm saying? It's like everywhere he moves, you can hear the bells. You can hear the bells going. And, and when he would go into the, the holy place and the most holy place, I mean, forget this, they'd put a rope around his waist. So when he walked in, they were listening for the bells. And as long as the bells were ringing, that meant the priest was doing his thing. But when the bell stopped, they got a little worried. They, they, they would lean in, kind of like I lean in on my kids' doors at night sometimes. They're just leaning in to see what's going on in there. The priest would lean in. And if they didn't hear any ringing of the bells anymore and time had passed, he, here's what happened. God's presence would strike the priest dead because they weren't prepared to meet with the presence of God. God's ready, but the priest wasn't ready. And that's why he had the rope. Because if he went in there and he died, they, they pulled that joker out. It's like, all right. Apparently this guy didn't get his stuff together. Send the priest in there next year. You better believe he was ready. But, but, but th this is the way that they ensured that they could pull him out if anything went wrong. Now, how many y'all thank God we live in the New Testament and not the Old Testament? Because there's some bits of times I walked into this tent and I wasn't ready. And God didn't strike me dead. Don't, act, don't look at me like that. You've been there too, okay? Some of y'all came in here. I see you still smelling like the night before. But I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. Hey, you come in smelling, all right? That's fine with me. I'm just saying. Thank God it's the New Testament, right? And when we walk in, he's not going to strike us dead. But make no mistake. If you let the candlestick burn out and if you let the bread go stale, you're going to open up that curtain and all you're going to see is an empty chair. That's what was happening at Corinth. 
It was the church that Paul built. God wasn't there. All kinds of immorality. It was the church that Paul built. And they were fighting over who their favorite pastor was. It was the church that God built. They didn't even know how to worship God without it turning into a mess and a show. And people were taking the attention off of God and putting it on themselves. And they had to write a letter to Paul. Paul's in another part of the world. They're like, can you help us? Because God will leave. God will leave. And how, how do we know this? If you get to the book of Revelation, the Bible says this. He stands to the door of your heart and he knocks because he, he will only go in if you open up the door for him. But, but if you stop welcoming him, he'll leave. And, 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 and he'll leave you to your own decisions. You might be saying, oh, Pastor Josh, you got a scripture for that? I do. Paul talks about this in Romans where he says that God just turned people over to their own lustful desires. God just said, I'm done. I'm out. That's my scripture. For those of you think, God will never, he'll never leave me. No, no, he'll never leave you so, so as long as you don't let your candles go out. He'll, he'll never leave you so long as you don't let your bread go stale. But when you are saying, God, I no longer want you, he pulls away. And he says, I'm going to let you do what you want to do. And I'm going to let you live life on your terms because he, he's a God that wants to be wanted. He, he, he's a jealous God and he's not going to compete with other things in your life that are pulling you away from him. If you keep going in the opposite direction, he will get off of the chair and you will, not knowingly, you will unknowingly let something else sit in that chair. And you might have drugs sitting in that chair. You, you might have sex on that chair. You might have hangups and all kinds of other things. That's seated on the chair. But the beautiful thing about God is when you're ready to welcome him back, <laughs> he will come and kick that joker off and he'll come and sit one more time and he will dwell in your life. He will dwell in the chair of your heart. So the good thing about being part of the New Testament church is he ain't going to kill you on the way in. But at the same time, he's given you so much decision and he's not going to force himself on you. He, he wants you to want him. And my prayer today, Lighthouse Church, is that we would make a decision to have him dwell in us. God, I, I want you to dwell in me. God, I want you to be seated in the throne of my heart. God, I, I don't want other things to compete for your attention. So, so I'm going to light the candle. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to burn in my life. I'm going to do that through prayer. I'm going to get in my Bible every single day. That's the word of God. I'm not going to let my bread go stale. I'm going to get in my word. And when I do those things, he is going to come and he's going to sit in the best seat of the house. And that's the chair that's right inside of your heart. Let me pray over you. Would you bow your heads right there where you're at? I'm just going to pray that the Holy Spirit just begins to speak to you. The Holy Spirit just begins to move right now. If there's some things that God is showing to you right now that, that, that you've got to move on out, let, let him move it on out. Let him move it on out. Let the Holy Spirit just begin to do heart work right now. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray over every person here, Lord God, everyone under the sound of my voice, I pray, God, that you would begin to do a deep heart work in everyone. 
I pray right now in the name of Jesus that if there is anyone that has allowed other things to come and sit on the throne of their heart, God, that you reveal it to them and that we would once again put you in the seat that you belong in. Would we seat you, Father, in the throne of our heart? Would we seat you, Lord God, where you belong? Would we seat you, Father, where you should abide? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, let's stand up on our feet. Come on, let's just enter into a time of worship. Let's entertain the presence of the King today. Come on, Lighthouse, let's lift up our hands and let's just entertain his presence. Let's lean in today and let's invite him in and say, God, would you dwell in us right now? God, would you dwell in us right now? Father, would you dwell in our hearts right now? Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Father. Come and dwell. Come and dwell, Father. Come and dwell in our hearts. Dwell in our hearts. that I want to do. The first one is I want to give an opportunity for those of you that you've never allowed God to come into your heart and to be your Lord and Savior. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. You don't have to have it all figured out. You might have a lot more questions than you do have answers, but you just know that there's been something else that's been seated in your heart and you're ready for that to be gone and you want God to come in and sit on the throne of your heart. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond right now. And uh, the second thing we're going to do is we're going to open up these altars just for those who want prayer. And um, we'll do that afterwards, and we'll go back into singing. For those of you that are done, you're free to go and have a good time here with us. Uh, we've got things going on with the kids. We've got some snow cones back there, but, but we always make room for this. How many of y'all this is important? This is important. People making a decision to follow Jesus is important. People coming for prayer, that's important. So, so right now, would you just close your eyes and bow your heads? And I do this just for the privacy of everyone making a decision. But if you have never made a decision to follow Jesus, and today... You want God to come in and to be seated on the throne of your heart. Today, you want to make him your Lord and your Savior. Do me a favor. Throw that hand up right now. Throw that hand up if you are ready to make him Lord of your life. Throw that up. I see you. I see you. Who else is out there? I see you. Throw it up. Throw it up. Throw it up. Amen. Come on. Let's clap our hands for everybody that just rubs their hands. Here's what I want to do. I want to pray over you. So one more time, we close our eyes and bow our heads. And as I lead you in prayer, because so many people, they raise their hand, but they're like, I don't know what to do next. So I want to lead you in a prayer. But the most important thing you can do is make this your prayer. I'm going to give you the words, but it's up to you to make this personal. And I want you to personally welcome God into your life. And everyone in this church is actually going to pray with you so you don't feel like you're alone in this. So everyone, all of our worship team, they're going to repeat these, these words that I say. And again, as you repeat them, the most important thing you can do is personalize it. Make it yours. Y'all ready? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this day. 
and I thank you for salvation. Right now, Father, I make you the Lord of my life. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. And would you come sit on the throne of my heart? I want to walk away from the things I'm doing. And I want to run to the things that you have for me. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's clap our hands one more time for everyone that made that decision. We're so happy for you. We believe that God's best is for you. And we're going to go ahead and open this up to a time of ministry. So pastors, come meet me down here. Go ahead, worship team. And if you need prayer, whatever it is that you need, would you come on up to this altar? Our pastors are here to pray with you. We're here to lay hands on you. If you've got a need, we'd love to meet with you. And we never like to leave this place without giving you an opportunity to respond and take that next step of prayer. So if you need God, if you need prayer, come on up here to this altar. Everyone else, thank you. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.